Yeah, it's like, how significant of a change positively will this make on your team? And I just want to be very thankful for you being real there, Jared, because it draws upon two very personal things for me right now is the, we're going through it on all ends, and I see it uh, even in the past month here. I'm going to do my best to keep um, both anonymous to, to respect their privacy. Um, one in particular is a university student I connected with, and they're telling me right now what it's like to hunt for a new job. They're in their last semester of university, and they're they're scared, ambitious, you know, everything from the degree they have to what they did extracurricular-wise, getting on a, you know, the, their external affairs director position in their non-for-profit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, entity aspiring to lead women, the full nine yards. And they're telling me that from a networking perspective, they have to connect with individuals in these networking summits virtually for 15 minutes. That's yeah. it. And they're telling me, they're like, Kenny, all I have is 15 minutes. From what felt last year, I had an hour to connect personally, get to know the person. I feel like this is like speed dating gone wrong, you know? And, you know, they're sharing with me because of everything that's happening, how much it's just instilled this level of anxiety where they're like, oh my goodness, how, like how, how much less likely am I getting a job right now? It's, it's such a great point that you make about the challenges of, of speed dating. Yeah. Uh, my... Um, my mother, who is just like, she's just absolutely brilliant in, in the sales industry and, and is retired or semi-retired. She's bored. Runs right? in like, the family. Yeah. yeah like she's, <laughs> she's just, she's just an amazing person. Um, and she brought a concept to me a couple of weeks ago. One of her friends works for one of the big three technology companies and is kind of an old school sales professional in their you know 60s and just really struggling to have effective and meaningful conversations with clients virtually and i you know thought of something and and i it's funny because i did a dry run we talk about role playing earlier i did a dry run on friday with my national sales team about a concept of uh, creating like a, almost in a sense, like a virtual sales, like, you know, I don't want to say, but maybe a manual, something like that. Right. Yeah. Like, like the way in which that we've got to build relationships right now, I think about me, I'm going into like week 10 of my new organization and 95% of the clients that I have right now, I've never had a relationship with. In fact, I've never called them. They don't know me because I came from, you know, a completely different uh, industry and level of clients. And so now I'm in this, like, you know, almost in a sense, like going back to your example of your university student where I've got to do speed dating, but it's virtually. And so you've got to adjust your style. And, and the example that I was giving you around my mom's friend, you know, my mom was thinking, she's like, well, what if we created uh, like a sales training uh, tool that we could then go out and, and start to market and, and actually present like virtual selling concepts? And I just actually took a step back and I said, okay, well, this is a really good idea, right? Because I think building relationships over a computer is so challenging. Yeah. Like it is, it is so challenging to 
have people genuinely believe in whatever it is that you're saying, it's incredibly hard. I am a look a person in the eye type of individual. I was thinking that too. And, big. and when you look at me, you know that there's a sense of, of confidence there that I have 100% your interest, heart of hearts. You without can feel a, it you can, eye to eye. Every, every single customer that I have had such great success with in my life over the last, you know, 21 years, it's all because I go back to my first ever like boss and my second boss when I went over and I worked at Xerox for a number of years. He was like, you know, my first boss always instilled these principles of you've really just got to be like truthful, but you've got to be like a handshake kind of person, right? Like your word is your bond, right? If you say that you're going to do something, do it, just go out and do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like don't, and, and then after you do it, don't let anybody else know that you did it, right? Like be, be humble about it, go out, make sure that you do this, but only share successes that really help drive more meaning to furthering another customer's problem, right? So don't do it selfishly because it'll come across as selfish. And then when I went over to Xerox, I had, you know, two leaders over there, uh, one in particular, who's just a, just a beauty of a gem. He works in real estate now, but my other manager was like this, you know, super aggressive, like could talk like no other manager I've ever been around, like could literally sell anything at any point to anyone. And you're like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Like literally, <laughs> this guy convinced me, I'm not even lying, he convinced me stupidly, but but not by any means, to um, basically cut my guaranteed income in half and not only that, not pay me to move to Calgary because I needed him more than he needed me. That's how good this person was. And I actually... I'm so thankful for that relationship and we still keep in touch, um, you know, every couple of weeks. But he said, Jared, if you bet on me, I will never let you down. But you have to trust me when I say that. And it goes back to, right? That thought is like, it's easy to shoot out words. It's easy to say what you need to say. But when you get in front of someone, there's an air of, of there's a presence there. There's a, you know, a, something in the air that you just, you get a sense of like, wow, I, I really feel comfortable around this person. And you lose that when you virtually sell or when you're on a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams meeting or, or a Cisco WebEx, right? Um, shameless plugs right there, of course. But, um, <laughs> but, but truthfully, like that ability to look someone in the eye, unfortunately, is because people are multitasking too. Oh, right? big they're time. doing camera goes off, mute goes off. Now I'm doing something exactly. else. Exactly. So oh, there was my name called. Yeah, can you say that again? Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't right? do that in a face-to-face -face so meeting. So I, I, I had a, and it's funny because you think even in 21 years that you, you learn, but you still make mistakes, and I think you have to really be humbled in the fact that you're never perfect. And you're going to make mistakes, both internally and externally, uh, in your marriage, in your friendships. Um, you're just going to say or do something at some point. And I made my first virtual mistake like a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't anything bad. But, um, you know, one of my team was presenting their account plan. 
and uh, my wife had um, to leave because she had a medical, I don't want to say an issue because it wasn't an issue, but she just, she had to leave because of, of my son. And I didn't even think about it. I was like, okay, well, I need to go upstairs. I need to grab my son. And I was in the middle of this person presenting and I felt really, really bad for it because I, I got up out of my chair and I forgot to turn my camera off. So there was an empty chair while this person who put, you know, five to 10 hours into the strategy and the plan and they're doing a sanity check with the team and looking for feedback, I just got up and left. Were and, there a lot of people on the call? Yeah, like the, our, our entire team. And my boss was calling and he's like, hey, where are you? And I'm like, oh, you know. And, it, and it's just like those friendly reminders to, that's why I always believe, like truthfully now in virtual selling, I don't turn my camera off. I really don't because I want people to know that I'm not multitasking, that I'm not doing emails or, or texting or tweeting or whatever it is that people will do, uh, you know, behind the scenes. I want my customers to know, I want my internal stakeholders to know that I take every single valuable minute that they have and I give them that same respect. And I felt really bad. I, I reached out to that individual on my team after and just said, hey, you know, you want to go through this one-on-one -on -one? because I missed about 15 minutes of, of uh, you know, your account plan. And, nice you and you gave me the same amount of time, but yet I didn't have the courtesy to extend that. And I could have, you know, in hindsight, I could have just flipped it to my phone, put it in my earpiece, but it was just like reactive, right? Like, and I was like, oh, dang. So, you know, it's, it goes back to your challenge from your university student, right? You've got to be cognizant of, building a brand now you've got to be present i think that's key on teams meetings if you're even if you're listening in on a webinar or a sales pitch you never know what kind of golden nuggets you're going to catch right like literally i try to scribe whenever i can even right now i have just that's my mindset is like i i try to capture a quote or a phrase there's two reasons why I do that. One, it, it always, and I learned this from um, my buddy that's in real estate, you know, it, you can always take what a customer says and paraphrase it back to them. It builds such strong credibility that you're actually listening, that you're not thinking about the next question, right? And I think that's key when you're virtual selling now is you you literally... It is, it is such a tiring process to stay present and stay in the moment. But if you think about my example of the pro athletes earlier, right? What is it about them that made them great when the lights were the brightest? It's because they had that ability to stay present even when the pressure was greatest, no matter what. They didn't think about what happens if they failed. They didn't think about what's the next question or what's the next thing that I need to do. They were there in the moment taking everything around them going in and really compart, you know, comp I don't know the word, but just taking it in and putting it into their own, you know, think box, right? Like they were compartmentalizing. I think that's the word I was yep. looking for, yep. right? They were taking everything in and they were just present in the moment, right? And if you think about every single great sports moment, every single great accomplishment, it was always when you were the most attentive, right? It was always the, it doesn't matter if it's a pro athlete, 
Think about any success you've ever had in your life. Was it because when you did something, you were kind of thinking about it, but you weren't thinking about it, and then it came to fruition? You were in flow state. It was the only thing you could be thinking about at that given time. Right? And I think that's so critical now with virtual selling. And, and that's what I took back, and I told my mom, and I, I actually ran my thoughts by uh, a peer of mine who's my company's customer. He's not my customer. And he's a senior leader that I just... I respect so much because he, he goes about things. He's very set in his ways and he's very proper and particular, but he's incredibly intelligent and he knows he's incredibly intelligent. Right. And, and so I trust what he says. And so I said, you know, um, and giving my mom the information to give back to her friend, I actually just called him up and said, Hey, you know, I'm probably never going to get to run this kind of sanity check about virtual selling and effectiveness with you, but I've got some ideas on what's working and what's not working. Can you give me time to go through kind of a virtual selling um, strategy? And he's like, to like completely taken a step back by it. He's like, well, first of all, that's pretty cool that you're reaching out to me. Yeah. Right. But secondly, he's like, yeah, I think I, he's like, I might not have all the answers, but I'll be able to let's like, brainstorm, right? Right, right. Let's brainstorm. And then I presented that to my team on Friday. And then it was funny because my calendar all of a sudden was filled with like meeting requests after from internal peers that are at my level. Cause the information I shared it across the country for, it took seven minutes um, to present it. But I, I just asked my leadership, I'm like, Hey, do you mind if I just, you know, tell people about what I did and let them reach out. And then all of a sudden it was like, Hey, caught the end of this, caught the beginning of this. Domino we, effect. Yeah, right? And it's just, it's cool because I just love sharing information with people. Mm. I love, I love seeing, you know, that's why I was in a support role in my past life because I love seeing others take like skills and capabilities and tricks that, you know, my boss at, at, at Xerox and, and when I was at, um, in the beverage alcohol, like my leader was just such a gem, like such a gem for relationships. And I, I've just been so like, so lucky to have so many people that have given me like this whole entire playbook of like excellence yep. to, to, to pick and choose from. I, I think that's a really unique part about when we tie it down to where and how far you've come now, Jarrett, in the multiple different levels of leadership you've experienced, the different managers, the good, the bad, what you've indoctrinated yourself, and to now recognize through even virtual selling. I, I love how you were enthused at the idea of sitting down with someone and being like, okay, well, let's figure out a game plan on how we could like make this, like, like what's the playbook of, of how yeah. to do this properly? And it even reminds me now of some of the things that I notice when we look at meetings, consultations in person, we know we've gotten our reps in. We know not to, oh, let's just look on our phone halfway through while they're talking. Mm -hmm. Yet now we're bleeding that into the virtual world. And even just from a solutions-focused mentality, you know, I'll take that sales term, I'll kind of share with you some of the things I just picked up on what you said. And maybe even for anyone listening to this who have like tangible notes or thoughts they can take into the next time they're going to sell virtually now. Yeah, because absolutely. that's our reality. I, I look at number one, don't keep looking at yourself on the screen. <laughs> I've been guilty of that sometimes. There right? is, bottle this thought for a sec. There's actually <laughs> like this, um, 
there's, I think it's a Microsoft sales tool, but I actually get an effectiveness of, uh, an email effectiveness report sent to my inbox every morning for me to review on, you know, how much time do I spend responding to emails outside of work hours? How much time do, am I on my phone during a day? And and it like tells me where I suck. And it's like, (laughs) it's like the greatest thing ever. I'm like, (laughs) where has this tool been for the last like 31 years? You know, I'm 41 now, but like I could have used this tool for time management for all of my life, man. Yeah. It's just, you get to see it. what you're doing and where you're spending your time, yeah. right? Yeah. And Continue. I'm glad you said that. And when it comes to the second thing is do your best to look at that person in the eye. I mean, as much as let's be honest, they don't know that you are. And I feel like that's half the battle with the eye contact is you, you feel like someone's engaged is like, do your best to look at that on the screen and put your screen on, right? And be, be engage. Yeah. I find, I'm sure you've probably experienced this is, when someone is leading a call and they're like, all right, does everyone get it? And like some and people crickets. are like, and they're like, okay, moving on. Yeah. And you're not exactly too sure. And you're just assuming that everyone's engaged. Yeah. Something that I really like that my uh, regional manager does is he will ensure if it's like a slide presentation, he needs to get everyone updated on for a monthly call. They'll be like, all right, Kenny, read this slide for me. Yeah. But then, oh, you know, you're, you're engaged. You have to be engaged. Yeah. All right, Paul, can you uh, let, let us know what are the five non-negotiables for this next part? We just want to make sure you're paying attention. But yeah. it's going to allow everyone to just feel that much more on top of it. So I, I find from a virtual perspective, there needs to be more back and forth. Like you almost need to feel like you're keeping that person engaged all the way through as opposed to I know when in circumstances more in person, it's easier to kind of just let yourself continue talking because you see that the person's engaged. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've noticed actually with virtual selling and being exposed to, um, even in my latest role, like just the amount of vendor webinars and, and customer facing presentations the one thing that I actually really like, but I don't think is done enough, is um, I don't like that, and this is just a personal opinion, it's not, there's no like methodology or uh, you know tactics or anything behind it. I don't like that people say, hey, you know, we're gonna save our questions for the end. I, I think it's really important when you're presenting and even having a conversation to have Q and A kind of on demand, yeah, and and I and I say that because of two reasons. One, I think it it retains that level of engagement that you were just you know speaking about. But two, I think it really sh- like it. Actually, a lot of good can come out of it, and what I find is that. This is like so, like it's so true for sales professionals and just people in general who are in the services industry. We always have an agenda, right? And oh, we gotta get through our slides. We gotta get through our content. We only have an hour. We only have an hour, right? Like we've gotta get through it no matter what. And I will tell you every time that I've ever, like, and I I say this with 100% certainty, every time that I've, ever had an agenda that I've tried to get through, I've never had a good outcome or really can, you know, uh, convincing or meaningful dialogue. 
and I've spent like it's interesting in my one of my past roles. It wasn't even something that I earned any income for. I just was tasked with behind the scenes of presenting concepts to another sales division and someone on that team who had worked closely with me wanted to enable this sales channel and it was it was an outbound sales channel but a ton of them and i got no income for it no recognition no nothing right like there was just like there's no reason to actually do it other than to help someone out but i did it and i found what i've learned from that is actually it was great for me selfishly because it gave me the opportunity to learn how to present uh, without having a risk of failing because it's internal people, right? So you don't want things to go sideways when you're with a client. But what I found is I had, I started out and I had, you know, call it like 15 slides. Then I found out that I got maybe only to like 10 or 12 of those slides. So then I cut it back. Then my message got even more refined and I went from 10 or 12 down to six. Then I went from six to three. Then I went from three to an executive summary and just wow. opened it up to a discussion. And I bring this up because I think too many people are focused on their own agenda. The best, like literally the best presentations that I've been a part of are ones where you cover off, you know, your high level content and then you open it up to a round table. Round tables are so effective especially if they're round tables with your customer, because when you open it up in kind of like, uh, you know, almost in a sense where they're not being judged or, you know, a low risk forum for them. I go on webinars all the time. Nobody, no customers ever speak up. They're scared. And, and I don't say that in a bad way, but like no one wants to ask a dumb question. Yep. Right. I remember I had a CEO and he's just like, just such an amazing human being, but just going back to your point of is the customer ever, ever wrong. He on our first meeting and it this was when I was in an overlay role, like literally kicked, kicked myself and my company out of the organization. Just said, I'm done with you guys. 10 years gone, beat it get out. Right. And I was like, okay, well that, that went about as good as it can go. Yeah. Right. Like, what do you do? And then I started to kind of circle back with him a little bit and just said, Hey, like, you know, that's kind of harsh. Let's take a step back and yeah, don't leave us out to dry. Don't like leave that. us out to dry. <laughs> and he wouldn't give me any of the information. Cause we were in this like group setting and he just threw us all under the bus collectively as an organization. And then I started to shrink the audience and I start to shrink the message with him and said, okay, well, I get it. You got like seven or eight things that you're pissed off about. Can we just, you know, work on one or two to earn the right to continue to have the dialogue? Okay. Okay. Well, maybe I was a little harsh, <laughs> you know, et cetera. Right. And so you, I took a step back with him. Still didn't sell him anything, nothing, not even an ounce. This is just, like relationship management one-on-one -on -one, just right. Like literally just, you know, uh, a pencil and trying to chip away ice, right? Yeah. Like good luck, but you'll figure it out someday, right? <laughs> one sliver, one at sliver time. at a time. Right. <laughs> but you know, it took 
almost the better part of probably three years with this customer. And before I left this particular organization, we won a massive contract, like with this individual. And it took meetings. And he said to me, Jared, that's the dumbest question. I asked him a question and it was just, it was just a genuinely honest question. I, I don't even remember. I think I asked him something about what's more important to you. Is it uh, customer service or is it successful product? And he's like, that's the stupidest effing question I've ever heard. <laughs> he's like, what do and you this think? is in front of my boss, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, shoot. this is so embarrassing. And I still don't even have anything to show for it. I've been working at it for two years. And he, he completely blasted me. And I just, I laugh about that, about people's willingness when you kind of get them in that discussion, right? That round table element of going back and forth, right? Because I, first of all, you just got to let someone, the other customer's right. So let them complain, let her complain, let them get all of their frustration out. And then once you capture all their frustration, okay, of this frustration that you've had, what are the most frustrating elements that I can work on? Then you go and you get that. And then maybe you get them in a smaller audience and then they share this. Oh, well, you did a good job over here. Still shite over here. Good over here, bad over here. And it's that back and forth that you get where you get that feedback. And what I learned in my last role, you have to be really good at collaboration in real time with people. And I say that because it's critical going back to our virtual selling element. And to the point where your leader just said, hey, Kenny, can you read that, you know, that slide for me? Like, I think that's cheesy, but you know, that's just me, right? Like it's, it's like going back to high school. Oh, can you read page yeah, eight? Yeah. Kenny, what does page eight say? What does that I, say? Yeah, exactly, right? Like it's like, okay, I get, I get what you're trying to you do. You see, you know why he's I, doing I it. I know, exactly, right? But I, I think it's important because in virtual selling and, and what I've noticed on these webinars and going back to this challenging customer, is that if we weren't able to have a round table with an audience where you elicit Q&A, you, sometimes you miss that, right? Like if I just came in with a presentation and I said, hey, you know, we've been a partner for 10 years and this is all that you bought with us and here's some of the products and services and, you know, are you going to buy more? Well, that just reminds me, like, even when you just set the intention of, hey, I want this to be a conversation, not an interview. Yeah. It's the same thing I felt, feel even when we're, we're, we're sitting here. Every guest, Jarrett, that I've said that to, they're like, oh, man, thank God. They're like, I just, I, did, I felt like pressured that I was just going to get, like, put in a, in a <laughs> corner. And I'm like, no, no, we're going to be talking back and forth. Yeah. You get a little bit, I get a little bit. And even with customers, it's like, listen, stop me in my tracks if you feel like it's maybe not going the direction of the conversation you want it to serve. Yeah. Or like, hey, ask me something. Because yeah. then you get to really see they're opening up. Yeah. They're, you're now going to get what they're actually curious about. Yeah. It goes back to your point about, like, let's go deep in. Let's solve one thing. Maybe, maybe we could come out of this conversation it's all about wins. and let's solve one thing. Let's, one both, thing. let's both get out of this conversation yeah. enthused and be like, Hey, you yeah. know what? We did something there. Absolutely. And it's funny too, in customer conversations, when, you know, you have the ability to navigate the art of a conversation, right. And, and, and it is you an have art. a style and an approach that you could just like, I, I could like, I say this, but this isn't something I, I practiced at. I'm not uncomfortable in 
presenting like if someone said hey you're presenting to a national audience there's going to be 5000 people on and you know you've got 2 days to get ready for it i wouldn't be rattled it wouldn't even bother me at all because i think if you're comfortable in the content and you know kind of the not the audience but if you're comfortable in the way that you can articulate and the way that you can share words you know what you're talking about it right? it it becomes inspiring where and it's funny because my wife always says this to me and, and it'll go back to the point that I was trying to make about the customer conversation in a group setting. I almost never say anything like surprisingly as good as a, a conversation that you and I are having one-on-one -on -one in an environment. Like I went out for lunch twice with my new team and I said five words oh. and my boss is like, is everything okay? He's like, you didn't, you didn't even say anything. And I'm like, no, I just really, really enjoy Digesting. people's stories. And I love hearing, like genuinely hearing about um, what it is that, that people share about what's most important to them. And it goes to that point about when you're having a conversation with a customer, it literally needs to be them talking 80% of the time. There, you can share the information, but it's only you paraphrasing and then facilitating a further meaningful dialogue so that you're always navigating that art of the conversation. And it is like, it's something that I think you could, you can work at. Um, there is definitely an art to having effective conversations, but I, I remember reading this book called listening leaders. Right. And my wife, like, she's just, she cracks me up. Cause, um, I'll be over here, you know, doing something with, with Carter and, uh, I've got, you know, my Eagles getting smoked over here as per usual. And then I've got my mom trying to FaceTime on my phone and my wife, she's in the other room and she's yelling at me to do something. And I don't acknowledge her when she's saying that just my fault. Right. But I've got all this going on over here. And then she'll come back and say, hey, I was like, oh, yeah, honey, by the way, yeah, this, this, this and this. And I'll answer her question. And she's like, how the heck did you hear me there? <laughs> right. Because I've got football going on over here. I've got an 18 month old running wild over here. I've got my mom trying to FaceTime with my 18 month old over here. And there's all this world going on. And yet you still got to be able to pick up the cue. Right. And it took me a while to really, really understand the principle of effective listening, because you're not going to capture everything that's, you know, someone says, unless you're recording it. Right. But who wants to go back and try and, you know, be, uh, you know, in whatever those people are in, in law, the legal practice that, well, it's a really good point because right? that just real quickly here reminds you of when people say, guys, don't worry, this call we're on today's recorded. And it's kind of like, Oh, like, is that going to hinder your your ability of people listening in or yeah. is that is that gonna make people be like oh okay great i'm even more willing to listen it's like well now they're gonna think they're gonna go back to it they're not gonna go back to no it. And, and i think it's critical too because you have to capture the bullet points and if, if you think about even just going to our overall theme about customer service right and you circle back to our world it's what are the top two or three things that you care most about? What are the top two or three things that are getting in the way that you care most about? And what are the top two or three things that I can do 
to help you solve the problems that are getting in the way of the problems that you care most about. And that's the secret sauce. And, and I listened to a, an awesome sales podcast um, by Brian Burns. And it's all around sales and, and vernacular and proper process and, and listening and, and different styles and tactics. But it all goes back to, are you working on what I care most about? And it doesn't matter what industry you, you're in. If I think about this, even going back to my sports reference, because you're a sports guy and, and your brother, you know, legit, like yeah. real, like pro, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> just unbelievable. Um, and we could spend a whole another two hours talking <laughs> yeah. about that journey. Uh, but if you think about this, and, and I'm an old school, like 1993, Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, I took what I was weakest at and I made it my greatest strength. And that was on the defensive end. Jordan, when he came into the league in 1985, 86, was not a defensive, um, you know, he didn't have defensive prowess. No. Wasn't a defensive of the year, player of the year candidate. He worked hardest at where he was weakest. And I think if you take that same principle even in sales, I'm not perfect. If I had a, I would get a deal every single time. I would never lose to anyone at any point if I was perfect. But you have to accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be able to do everything for everyone. And you're not going to win everything. And that's okay. It's okay to lose. It's okay to have scar tissue. It's okay to go through elements of disappointment because that foundation gives you the structure and the discipline for when things that go right, knowing that, Hey, like this is actually a reward, right? And think about it in a look at fundamentally, if you look at the anatomy of the human body, right? How do you grow muscle? You tear muscle fibers right? That's the only way. But what is the key word in that phrase that's important? Tear. Tear. You, know, you cause, you're, you're, you're putting a stress response to exactly. your body. Exactly. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so unless you're willing to tear your mind, you're not going to grow in whatever it is that you're going to do as a profession. It doesn't matter what you sell. If it's sales, if it's teaching, if it's law, if it's a police officer, if it's a firefighter, you have to be willing to accept the fact that you will fail. And it's all about resiliency. And I think the greatest individuals accept the fact that they have weaknesses, accept the fact that they're not great. Yeah, that they're not. They're perfect. not. They're not perfect, yes. right? And chasing perfection, it's like golf. I'm a golf addict more than like... Trust me, if you went and asked Brandy, oh my gosh, <laughs> you would think that I dealt drugs with the amount of UPS packages that get delivered yeah. for golf-related stuff to my house. But there's a reason why pro athletes gravitate to golf. Almost every pro athlete, doesn't matter. NFL, NBA, NHL. Michael Jordan would golf when he wouldn't play ball. Ex that was exactly. his go-to thing to do. Because it is the constant pursuit of perfection. And you know when you have that like dream and you're asleep and you're 
chasing something, but it's just out of your visual cue. It's blurry and you're like, oh, I've got to follow that. So close. It's so close, but it's so far away. That is sales. Mm. Perfection is, is so close, but it's so far away. And you have to be understanding of the fact that you're not going to be great and not everybody's going to like you. And that's okay. I don't need to be best friends with everybody. I don't need to have, you know, a group chat with every single one of my customers and their extended teams. That's not important to me. What I genuinely, truly believe that anybody who's the best of the best of the best, they care about the growth of whatever it is that they're trying to service or whoever they are trying to service. I love that. It's, it's why I love being and working with athletes, first and foremost, in any realm, especially as someone who's in sales. When you got a taste of what it's like to lose, when you got a taste of what it's like to not get the deal, well, guess what? You're only as good as your last deal you presented. You're only as good as the last result you gave your previous client. And I'm a big believer in that because you take win or lose what you did right and what, hey, what, what could have been better going into the next yeah. one you do? Yeah. And that's what I love about that whole concept of get your reps in. You know, I tell my, my trainers in their first month of being onboarded, you know, they're like, oh man, I want to be in here nine to nine. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> they're so jacked up about it. Exactly. Like, give me clients. I'm like, yeah, but guess what? Let's first experience what it's like to not get a client. Yeah. Like, let's, let's throw you out there. I'm going to train you. Yeah. I'm only going to put you in situations where you feel comfortable, but also recognize that when you get your no, it's going to happen. But let's learn. Okay. Why did that no happen? Interesting. How could we turn that into a yes? Uh, let's, let's talk about it. Do we, do we discuss all options? Okay. Were we genuine? You know, were you able to go in depth with what a proper plan looks like for them? Yeah. Did you make them sweat? Did you put them through an awesome workout? And I find all encompassing with what we're talking about here, Jared, is like, know your KPIs. Yeah. You know, know what you are being performed under. That is what's awesome about athletes is they know exactly what they need to do to win. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, going back to the drawing board where behind the scenes practice when you go and practice, there's a reason why the greatest athletes of all time, there's no such thing as a flipping camp. You know, it's, it's really funny in the fight world when it's like, oh, yeah, I got a fight camp. Well, guess what? The greatest fighters, they're always training. Yeah. They're always getting. There's no, you know? no breaks, no days yeah, off. Yeah, there's no seasonal on or off. Like, I understand. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have balance. Yeah. But let's still be training. Yeah. You have to be pushing. It's, I want to circle back with you on a point that you made there about putting people in comfortable situations. I actually disagree with you on that. Yeah, I'd, and, I'd love a debate. And, Let's do it. <laughs> and, and I think the reason why I disagree with that statement yeah. is because you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? And, and, I, and I say, like, I don't want to put people on my team, you know, in situations where they feel comfortable. I want them to feel uncomfortable. I really genuinely do because with that uncomfort, you know, uh, comes uncertainty, fear, mm -hmm. doubt, right? Like th that whole ability of like, Oh, am I really that good? Like even with this podcast, I, I kid you not my, I was talking to my wife about it and I, and I was telling her, I'm so nervous. And she's like, why, why would you of all people be nervous? Yeah. And I, and I just said, you know, I'm kind of exposing myself to, uh, a world of individuals who outside of my business, 
like, did you know, like personally, just between you and I, like 95% of my friends don't have a clue what I do for a living. Wow. Like they just, they don't, they, they don't, don't know. know. They know that I'm in sales. They know that I work for a sales company, but they literally don't know. They only know me as X personality or yeah. Y personality. Is that based off of you just choosing not to tell them? Or maybe they're just like, they can't comprehend really what you do. I, it's a little bit of both. And, and I say that because, you know, I'm just so lucky to have had, and I, and I say this, but I, like, I, I truly, truly am so thankful that the people and the leaders that have been around me have put me in situations that have allowed me to succeed. So when you go back to that statement about putting people, you know, like where they're allowing them to be comfortable, I think there's a balance there of putting people in situations where they're going to be uncomfortable but also to drive success and outcomes. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like to show them what to expect, but I only know that the best way for them to really learn how to perfect that situation yeah. is they got to go through it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I'll, I'll show you and prepare you and be like, hey, you know what? When when they give you this objection of saying they got to go talk to the wife, here's how to handle it. Yeah, and it's interesting too because as I've kind of evolved throughout my 21 years and being a sales career, there's an element of being set up for success and driving your own success. And there's a balance. And I've been fortunate enough to have had managers in every job give me the clients that are going to be most aligned to my style. Like they just have said, I think you're really going to resonate with this. I know this client a little well. Good I think you're going to do really well with this type of person. And they set me up because they know that my style is is not going to resonate with everyone. It really isn't. Like I and I say that because, you know, you just have to be comfortable in the fact that you're not going to be able to please everyone, and not everyone is going to want to deal with you in a certain way that they want to deal with you. And you have to be able to be in situations where you've got leadership like yourself, setting your clients up for success. Without the opportunities to partner on the accounts that I've had with the clients that I've had, I never would have been anywhere near I would be in my sales career. I, I say that with 100% certainty, without a shadow of a doubt. It doesn't matter my leader in my latest job, uh, where I'm working now, my manager in my job right before that, they understood. They're like, hey, you know, when you go about things the right way, you reward your people. Right. And unfortunately, like in certain corporations, they give people like accounts until they earn their stripes. Like they're not the greatest accounts. There's a lot of scar tissue or skeletons, you know, you call those in the closets. And lucky for me, everywhere that I've gone has been someone referring me to an individual that actually just wanted to have a conversation with me. And once I kind of get into those environments. People are like, whoa, like who, where did you come from? And yeah. like, what, you know, like, and it's what just did you because do differently what, what, like well, compared to what they've been used to. It, well, I think the biggest thing for me is I try to approach each conversation as a new opportunity to learn. Mm. You have to be willing to learn. Right. And that could be in a customer environment. It could be internally. And it, and you have to be able to show that when you're learning, you're actually applying the principles in which you've just learned. So 
a lot of organizations and leaders, like they appoint me to, you know, a chat, a chair or a task force, or, you know, I'm the person that has to stand up this partnership or this relationship. I sometimes get voluntold and sometimes I volunteer, but I like that. You know why? Because if you have a true care for what you do as a profession, you know, you're going to want to push yourself to be better and you're going to want to bring others with you. And I think that's so key is it's great to go out and great to have success, but it's so much like so much better when you get to bring others along with you, especially when you've had an influence where you know behind the scenes there was 100% like this is a, a fact and I could show you the messages like behind the scenes. I sent literally on two or three deals in the last four years, people to president's clubs, like because of them partnering with me. And a lot of like people in the organization, they have no clue because it's behind the scenes. It's, have you thought about this? What about this? Have you tried this element? Let's strategize. You what about do it this? alone? Make, make me better. Make you make me better, right? Because I'm only as good as the information that someone gives me. And if I'm not pushing people to be better, they're not pushing me to be better. So there is an element to going through and coaching and, and bringing people along. You don't need to be a, a manager or a VP to be a leader. And almost all the effective leaders that I've ever been around are the ones that are not known as a leader. They're, truthfully, right? There's a presence about them. There's a leadership element about them. But most of the leadership that they're doing is when the lights are darkest, when no one's yeah. there watching, right? And, and I have that same mindset. I coach and mentor like individuals like yourself all the time with no recognition. I don't care about that kind of stuff. Like truthfully, what I care about is when I get a text from a message or I'm at a dinner table and people come up and give me $1,400 worth of bottles of champagne and they're like, Hey, thanks, by the way, this isn't possible without you. Thank right. You. And, and that to me is like, that's all I care about. Don't, yeah. the money takes care of itself. You get into sales because you want to make money. Like you don't yeah. get into sales for, like no one really gets out of bed and said, ah, I want to go and sell something. Yeah. Ah, I want to go and coach someone like yeah. in sales, right? Like you have to have a willingness and it's a different DNA to want to be a career salesperson. It's the hardest gig. It literally is. It is. You're always on. You're always on. You can't you're shut it off. You're always forced to be on. Yeah. It's not that you're always on. It's you can't just, help but be on. <laughs> yeah, you have to, right? And I think the thing is too, is as you get more exposure and you put yourself out there and you're willing to share concepts like being on you know, this absolutely amazing podcast, Thank you. there's more risk to your brand because now it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to push this out there and now I've got to step my game up even more to follow this podcast because am I actually going to do all of this? Is this true? People are going to be testing and, and, you know, that's the nature of the human element. They want to bring you down, unfortunately, in a lot of situations. There's a really neat concept around everything you just said and it makes me want to say this. You know, mentorship is not... It's not just given to you. It's not handed to you. It's it's something upon request. 
And when I say that, I mean through the conversations in depth that I've been having, even naturally, Jared, through the questions I ask you, they come from a deeply personal, vetted place because I've either gone through it or I'm currently going through it. And I just started to recognize through my <laughs> search for mentors in life where when you give someone a title and you expect them to be that way, I find let's let's scratch that for a second and let's just be really honest. Mm -hmm. You know, in a sense, it's like how you shared where you're going to other colleagues and you're like asking and telling them, hey, this is how I'm going about things. I want your feedback. Tell, tell me, what, what, if you were put in this situation, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And I started doing that in situations with other thought leaders in our community on air and off air. Right. Where I feel like I could be like, hey, like this is what I did. What would you have done? Yeah. Do you think I'm I'm going about making the appropriate decisions I need to be making here? Absolutely. And it's um I had a I had a sales manager in one of my past lives, not my manager, an indirect manager. And she was super challenging, and not in a bad way. Just very very um particular in which she liked things done, accountability, direction, and value to her team. And she actually, it was a humbling experience because when I went to this particular company, no one worked with me for like almost nine months. Like no one would, would even, they didn't know me. I was an outsider kind of coming in. And, you know, there was this reputation about me that, you know, hey, this guy's really, really good. So there was an intimidation factor. And people confided to me behind the scenes, like where I started to develop some peer relationships and I was frustrated. And I said like, what, like, what am I doing wrong? Because like, I, I want to go about things like the right way. And I want to build the meaningful relationships internally and externally. That's important for me, but I, I want to sell stuff too. Right. And I can't sell without support of other individuals. And I couldn't get any traction with this team. And she said to me, Jared, have you ever done 360 degree feedback? And I said, I don't even know what that concept is. So, well, I'm going to give it to you and you have to give it to me. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. What are we going to talk about? And she literally took me aside and spent time, even though I didn't have any working relationship with her, like her team, you know, there was one or two individuals out of maybe eight or nine that was really engaging with me and, and, you know, collaborating and working towards. And she just gave me some feedback that just said like, you know, here's what our culture is truly like. And for you, it's all about less is more. And I said, well, what do you mean less is more? She goes, you have to remember you're a tenured sales professional and you're working with people who are maybe in their first or their second sales job and they're intimidated by you they're intimidated by the way that you ho you know you um host clients or manage client conversations because they're just not there yet so you have to be willing to enable their success and bring them along with you versus you just kind of running the ship and i just thought that that was just such a critical moment for me in this company because once I kind of figured out how, and, and it was going back to very early in our podcast discussion around client conversations and being that chameleon, even your client conversations are internal too. And it, it even, you know, at 35, right? 36 years old, 
thinking, hey, I know everything. You know, I've gone all these trips and awards and I've been... So you, you got know, all the case studies. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've won all this BS that companies want to throw at you to make you feel good, right? Like, that's great. What have you done for me lately? Going back to your point. Here, I was just in an element where I was an outsider looking in and someone took me aside and really changed the course of my success. And it, you know, it led to like three or four of my best professional careers because then I was able to go as someone who was working alongside these individuals and understand and give them the tools on the playbook, you know, air quotes, that all the great people before me have kind of given me. And that's being a team player. Now. That's 360 degree feedback. And I think you have to be willing to uh, be exposed, right? And that's why when my wife, you know, she's like, well, what do you got to worry about? It's like, well, like I'm putting myself out there, right? And, and I've never done a podcast. I don't know the first thing about it other than, you know, I've got lights and mics and <laughs> yeah. a cool dude that's sitting beside me and, and all, of know, this, like, all of this, all of this, right? Stuff that makes it look professional. But, but like, truthfully, it's just the ability to like, you got to care. It goes back to your point about like 5,000 people in the meeting and, and, and 10 leaders and you happen to be someone who's a, a panel judge or, or a spokesperson in the call. Nothing changes. You have it's to the care. same thing that you would deliver and, and that same attitude you would bring in that one-on-one conversation. Yeah. I you mean, have to care. You know, That's the key. I think like truthfully, everyone in the sales community that's ever asked me, they're like, well, what do you, you know, you're really good at this. Why is, why does this work for you over here? Why does this work for you over here? And they always want to, you know, other sales professionals, they want to come to me and ask me for silver bullet questions. Ooh, how can I get this customer to want to buy by asking them a particular set of questions? But you know what it comes back to? It literally comes back to you caring. That's all it is. Do you care enough about your job to be the best of the best when the lights are brightest and when the pressure is heaviest? I really appreciate you saying that, and it kind of segues into uh, our final topic, which I know can be a whole other podcast itself. So depending on how much Uh-oh. juice you want yeah, to put into this, where right? We're going with this one. Let's go. Is, is the the element of how curious you are with the with the level of challenge you're currently facing? Yeah. This kind of ties into what you just said about like how genuinely curious are you when you ask a client a question depending on what industry you're in you and i prior to coming live we talked a lot about how you and i both have been in positions where from the outside in one would think you're gonna go from being a sales manager to a salesman Mm -hmm. from a telecommunications industry to selling cars you're gonna do what an 18 year old kid could do you're gonna do you're gonna do you're gonna do you know like all of these things that are going in your head you kind of you're curious. You can't help but be curious. And to your point, that can elevate your game. Mm-hmm. No matter how much level of experience you have, when you bring that level of a curiosity mindset in, and I, I do my best, I try to bring that into each conversation in here. Right. If I'm not genuinely curious, why bother asking it? Yeah. And I want to just know from your perspective, like you also being uh, in a high position, Jared, in one of the largest enterprises of telecommunications have went more into a private IT company, Yeah. right? And one would maybe think, oh, like, you know, Jared, do you think that was the right move? Yada, yada. Guide us through for anyone who's listening where it's a global pandemic and a lot of buzz is going around on LinkedIn right now too about 
is it worth it to go into a different industry or job that will, okay, it still gives you a position. It might've been something you're curious about. It's going to come with less pay, but what are you going to gain and learn from it? I I can share you. I share a real life example from Friday, actually. Uh, So I have a, a peer of mine who's interviewing with us right now. And this individual, I I don't want to put them in a compromised situation, so I'll just keep it as an individual. I talked to them for, gosh, probably half hour. And they're going over uh, pay. And my company won't budge on pay. And this person won't compromise on their ask. So it's like, ah, we're kind of at a standstill. And my company pulled the offer off the table for this individual. And they reached out to me because I was the one that recommended them to kind of go through the process because I just love this person's, um, and when they hear this, they'll, they'll know who it's about, but I just, I love this person's approach. I, I think they're one of those individuals that doesn't know how great they can truly be. And they haven't had anyone around them take enough time to get them there. Like they're naturally talented, great relationships. Uh, you know, awesome in front of customers. And it goes back to my statement about when we talked earlier about being uncomfortable or comfortable being uncomfortable. When you're looking at, and and trust me, when I made the announcement to move uh, companies, I was shocked actually at the level of people that had reached out to me. Um, And I didn't know anybody actually literally cared, to be honest, that I... I didn't know I had surprising. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I genuinely was, I, I put a post on LinkedIn thanking my former boss for the opportunity. And I think it got close to like something like 10,000 views. Wow. Right. And I don't care about views or likes or any no, of that BS. But 10,000 people took notice, probably majority of them within the company, it, within the company. Right. And I took, I took a lot of scrutiny, man. Like, and if, if people there knew, the amount of individuals that had reached out to put pressure on me to not make that decision. Uh, and they would have been, they would have been shocked. Like they literally would have been shocked. And I, and I say that with pure humility because it just meant that I went through that growth curve of, you know, being uncomfortable, having that 360 degree feedback with that sales manager where nobody would work with me, right? And I remember when I left Beverage Alcohol in 2009, I was 29 years old and I wasn't getting along with my manager at the time and and great guy, just different uh, personality. And I was a young, um, arrogant sales professional, thought I knew everything about everything um, wasn't humble and, and winning like award trip after award trip, you know, trip to Ireland, went with the company to Napa Valley, uh, won a trip to Cuervo Island in, in Mexico. It wasn't like I wasn't being successful and I let that get to me. And it's those moments where you think you're better than you are that really, allow you to to grow and evolve your your brand and your maturation and that journey of maturation and i went to a 
company where they gave me like $40,000 less base salary, didn't pay me, convinced me to move and not, you know, literally not pay for my move and leave my girlfriend at the time here in the city. And I thought, if this guy's going to do this good enough job and shout out Benjamin Kemp, I love you. Um, what a great opportunity to go and try and learn. And was this the same guy who said, "Listen, trust me. If you come on over, yeah. everything same, will be same taken guy. care yeah, of." Same long guy. term, long term. And and I was worried about the money. That's literally my decision to leave. Was like that's for a lot of people. That was I was so worried about the money. And I, I, and he goes, Jared, you come and work for me. I promise you, man, you're not going to make less than X, Y, Z. And you know what? There's a reason why I have an ultimate lifetime loyalty to this person. Cause he delivered on every single thing that he said he would yeah. every single thing didn't matter if it was salary, life, wife, golf, you name it. And I have the utmost respect and that learning curve in that environment. I remember even with my buddy who's in real estate, we argued over an Excel spreadsheet with a customer. And this was a spreadsheet for a deal that, uh, won me a, a trip to, um, Disney World with my wife. And if I hadn't gone through this process, like literally, I was so stubborn and mm. just no, customer's not going to look at a spreadsheet on a business case. That's too juvenile. Like come on, this is a multi-million dollar engineering firm. They don't care about, you know, saving whatever it was. Like whatever percentage that was. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Jared, this is from my playbook. Don't ever fault this. Just try it and see what happens." And we walked the customer through the business case and it was the first time I'd ever been exposed to it. And I pushed back and I was like, nah, this is, no one's going to look at a spreadsheet. Like this is a CFO. He's probably worth like half a million dollars. Like he doesn't care about one spreadsheet, about one photocopier. And we presented the business case and they signed the contract within like six days, like put it through procurement. And it was a game changer. It was one of those deals that puts you over the hump when you're in the running for a great award. And, and, and I referenced those, that moment to another opportunity to learn and grow. And so every time that you go through your career, you're going to have these moments where you think you know what you know. And you think that you're the best at being the best because you've had success doing it your own way. But you truly, truly have to be able to take what others give you, whether it's a customer, whether it's a mentor or a leader, and adapt your style to someone else's playbook. And I think the best people in their respective professions are the ones that take the elements that work for them and incorporate it into a style and an approach that works for them. And so you have to, like, if I had never been the one to say, hey, I'm going to go from, like, honestly, I went from $85,000 base to $45,000 at yeah. 30, right? 45 grand. You get and, so accustomed to the lifestyle you were living originally too, right? right? Like who jumps ship for 40 grand? And now it's like, okay, you're in the middle of a pandemic and people are worried about changing. Yeah. My point is, is that you're going to have doubt and you're going to question your motivation, but you have to, you, you, you're going to have to 100% be certain that you're doing the decision that your gut tells you to do. And it's not about a company. It's not about money. 
it's about opportunity to go and evolve your brand and your skills. And it doesn't matter what you do. If you go from, you know, a, a gym movement to, you know, uh, golds to whoever you, the company is the company, the company, like literally at the end of the day, you're loyal to a company, but you're more loyal to people. You're loyal to leadership. You're loyal to people or individuals and organizations that give you opportunities to grow and succeed. It's not the company without the people. The company is irrelevant. There'd be no company. There is no company. The people make the company. That's why like, I'm so lucky to have worked for the organizations that I've worked for. Not because of the company, but because of the people that work there and the individuals that have like, literally given me feedback and taken the time to say, come on, man, that's not how we do things here. Yeah. Right? I love that because then you look into... It's not the new organization I'm going into. It's the the cumulative number of years of the people in it who've been across all sorts of different organizations and have had a taste of all sorts of different clientele mm-hmm. that you've always wanted to experience. Mm-hmm. So it's like walking into a room where you go from feeling like you're kicking everyone's butt who's the same belt as you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're a purple belt. You're, you're an experienced veteran in jujitsu. You're constantly, you know, being the top dog purple belt against all the other purple belts. Yeah. And you, you've lived that. You feels cushiony. You're gaining success. And then all of a sudden you shift into maybe a tinier gym, right? It looks a little bit more grungier, but guess what? Your coach now, your teammates, they're all black belts. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, wow. And you, whatever you've got to be willing to. Yeah. Even think about a weight class in, in your world and your brother's world, right? Why would you go from 125 pounds and be like, mm, I'm the king of 125, but now I'm going to go and start at the bottom to go to 135? Why? You know why? Because you, you want to prove. There's an there's a element to yourself as like, okay, I'm good. I've mastered this. I'm, I'm awesome at this. I've won belts. I've won titles. I've won whatever it is that's important to you. I've accomplished everything that I think I wanted to do. And there's one key point that I want to make. Mm-hmm. All of this is only possible if you set goals. Big time. I think that is key. So I don't make organizational changes because there's an opportunity to make more money. You know, that's the first thing actually almost everyone asked me about. It's like, whoa, they must have paid you way more. It's actually like the money is irrelevant. It is the opportunity to reshape your goals and align yourself to new goals. And you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're not going to hit all of them, right? In the professional sports world, that's awesome that you've got guys like Tim Duncan. Great. Stay with the Spurs. Win five titles. You know, I think five titles. Um, Kobe, right? Legacy. Win five titles. Second greatest NBA player in history. You know, legacy. But you've also got individuals that care about culture. They care about a different environment or a different element and learning new culture or testing out and finding out what it's like elsewhere. What is it that makes, you know, I don't, I didn't know anything about my company that I'm at right now. Nothing, absolutely nothing about culture. I didn't know anyone in the organization except for one person 
the sales manager. And I only, <laughs> I only knew about him because we had come across paths a couple of times. That's it. And then as I kind of went in there, they started to say things to me that like they weren't selling me. They didn't say like, hey, you should come over here. They started to explain that, you know, here's where we're at in the organization. Here's where we think you fit in the organization. And here's where we're going in the organization. Back to the goal. The goal, right? And I thought, what a cool element. And it's not to take, you know, slight on on other organizations not setting goals. But you're not always going to be aligned culturally or corporately to where an organization's going or where a particular role is going. And so every time that I've made a change in my career, it's because I have a new set of goals of things that I want to try, like going and working, trying to work with the government. Talk about the one of the most challenging things to figure out. Like good luck trying to figure out red tape. Way more policies and procedures put in place. Governance, you've got to go through and, and, and relationships are so critical, but there's this whole entire ecosystem in the which in which they buy or consume or educate and like what a cool world to to get exposed to you know and so i take it back to i remember denzel giving a a valedictorian speech or something like that at, on youtube and he and he talked about Thoughts without goals are just thoughts. I think that's the phrase. Like it's yeah. just thoughts without goals are just thoughts. But it's when you set a goal in fitness, people hang too much on weight. Right? Oh, too much. Oh, I need to lose 20 pounds. I, I'm the most guilty of this all the time. Most guilty. Oh, I need to do this. Yeah. Honestly, it's just set a goal. If weight is the goal and you think that for your body type, and your, you know, your personality, because you're a quantitative person and you've got gratification, the hardest thing about doing that in quantifying things is because when you don't see it, you get discouraged and you quit. And you know you didn't make it happen. And you know you didn't make it happen. So you need to set abstract goals that are realistic and that you don't necessarily have a quantitative element to it, right? What does growing as a sales professional mean? Oh, I don't know. Tell me, right? Honestly, can yeah, you? Yeah. You can't you can't quantify what growing it is. It's you can almost stay complacent for a longer period of time until you recognize, okay, well, why am I doing this again? You gotta ask I had a conversation that. with an individual who I I think the world of this guy, and he's he's so amazing at corporate politics. Um, customer relationships. We have an overlapping customer now. And I asked this particular individual why he would stay for this particular company. And he said to me, because he's got great customers and a great pension. And I thought to myself, that would not be enough to get me out of bed, knowing that I've got a great pension that would not be enough to motivate me. I have good, great customers, but I don't always want great customers. I've got a, a customer right now that has been passed over in my organization that I, I deal with, who actually has a reputation of being a difficult customer. He's my favorite customer, hands down, because I know that Challenges he, he's pushing me to make my organization better 
He's pushing me to get better compared to my peers. And he's pushing for success and a partnership. And that's the beautiful part about knowing who you are and what you want to serve. If you're constantly stimulated at the thought of solving problems and, and not feeling like things just become <laughs> so much the same day in and day out, then that's a perfect fit, yeah. right? And I think that's a beautiful part about us all being human and different is recognizing that there is going to be a place in this world for individuals who, hey, you know what? They want to work on one place, one thing, do the same thing over and over again yeah. to the point where they feel like they could do it with their eyes closed, yeah. and so be it. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been learning right now at a stage in my life where I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I constantly need to learn. And that's where the fitness world became such an easy end. It became such an easy way to be like, perfect. You have to always be adapting and learning yeah. and keeping up with science, keeping up with um, different nuances that clients bring to the table. Because yeah. back to your point earlier, it's not a one-size-fit shoe that fits yeah. every single person. Yeah. So it makes someone tick a certain way. And I, I feel like that's you, what you're saying. What what I really, really genuinely appreciate about you is you remind me so much of me and and I say that because I remember where I just wanted to to get better try different things and for you I think it'll be important to see where your career is going to go I don't think fitness is the be all end all for you I think you have a unique opportunity because of your genuine curiosity for elite level at whatever it is that you do. I Thank think you. truly you have the DNA and the drive to want to genuinely make yourself better as a human and then as a professional, right? Yeah. And there's rare, those are rare individuals. On they really, ends. it goes beyond the nine to five. Beyond, like right? And, and I think when there are opportunities to come across individuals where there is a genuine willingness to push themselves into waters that they don't think they can swim in those are the people that you gravitate towards right my it's funny my wife is is she's so good at, at humbling me where she always challenges me to be a better dad always let's get off your phone get off your phone you're on your phone what are you it's doing dad Stop. time you're at home dad time on. you know like and and I'm so thankful that I have a partner that cares enough to want to push me to be better, be a, a better husband, be a better dad, be a better friend. And I think about all the people in the world that don't have that opportunity. And I feel, I don't feel bad. I just, I wish that there were individuals where you had you know, you look at couples going out for dinner and they're sitting there on their phone, right? In front of each There's other. There's nothing like, there. Do you have nothing to talk about? You sit on Sad. your phone, right? Or, you know, you're at a family situation and my mother even, was it my mom? No, it was my aunt. My aunt was over last Saturday and my wife, my son was down for a nap. My wife was on one end of the couch. I was on the other and she was on the other. She was on her tablet. My wife was on her iPhone. I was on my iPhone. And... We're family, right? And it's it's like you lose that element. And so you have to have people in your world. And I think that's where you are going to like truly shine. You're around a pro athlete. That level of discipline is so foundationally different than yeah. what you're going to get exposed to anywhere. The 
commitment. Just seeing what they're doing day to day. Even even knowing that there's the element that they can fail, right? Your brother, you know, honestly, put in all that work and then bam, right? Yeah. First fight, not the result he was looking for totally. and, and quickly. But what a good opportunity for your brother to go back and say, hmm, where was the miss for me? Yeah. Where's where, where in my approach, where in my training, where in my understanding or analysis of my opponent, can I get better at? And I think that's what's great about you is that you have that level of curiosity where in the fitness world, the fitness world is just, it's the vehicle yeah. to get to like KB elite status. It's just the fitness world. It doesn't matter. You could plug. Go it can be you anything. Could, you could plug auto industry in there. You could plug real estate in there. You could plug any any level of profession in there. But where you're different, and the reason why you do these podcasts, is because you genuinely care that these make a difference. There's no someone behind the scenes giving you. You know, oh, I got a hundred thousand views. Here's a check. Yeah. You don't care about that. There's and no money into this. There's game. no money, right? Is money invested in we're losing money <laughs> yeah. right now, right? We're like putting money right? into this thing. Like you know, at the end of the day, it's it's true, but that's what's different between I think people that are they accept status quo and they accept whatever it is that it is. The world gives you this and you just, okay, that's fine. But there are very few individuals like yourself that, that what you see on the surface is, is what you get. That's not the case with you. Yeah. No. Wow. I, I really appreciate you saying that, Jared. That means a lot. You know, when I look back and recognize why in the first place we take our time weekly, daily to do this is recognize that you can learn anything and everything from anybody, anybody. I mean, yeah, sure. There's the element of talking to individuals who've been through it mm -hmm. and are now in a place where they can share insights on whatever it is they're an expert in and what they have passion about. But really, man, like when I look back on all these years and sometimes I have to like shake myself up and be like, Oh, was doing that job for six months worth it was job hopping year after year worth it. I look back at it now and I'm like, yes, it was. Mm -hmm. I would not be who I am now and even be able to sit down with you and relate and understand what you're saying if I didn't go through the hoops and valleys I've gone to to constantly change industries, to constantly switch things up. And it was an element of just recognizing that I was, still am in a sense, in a soul-searching mode. You are right and now too. Literally, yeah, right? to yeah, this day. No, and I that's, still am. You, could, you could see that too, that you're, what is next on the horizon? And I think, when you deal with visionaries, even in, in sales, when you deal with visionaries, the easiest way to relate to visionaries is to give them that sense of here's what's just beyond the horizon. Here's what's in reach and here's what's achievable now. And that motivates because they know just outside their peripheral, right? We talked about that earlier. Oh, just on the outside where it's not quite, it's that line in your dream between being fully aware of what's going on in your dream but being in an element where it's fuzzy in your dream yes and you know what's really neat about that is the level of respect and investment people will make in you when they see that and i think the coolest thing is jared and this goes out to anyone listening when they're 
it kind of goes back when we talked about like, just start, just, just start with something. Mm-hmm. So many people want to wait until something's perfect to put it out there. Mm-hmm. And Omid and I, we sit down with each other and we're like, man, we're not that podcast where we've became famous and now we're entitled to be like, oh, this is the Kenny and Omid show. And people want to hear and listen to us because we're Kenny and Omid, yeah. whoever's bringing us on. It's quite the opposite. People don't know who we are. And then by people, I mean like we're talking about the world, nationally, yeah. everything beyond Edmonton. Yeah, 1.1, right? And yeah, but the idea is like we're documenting our journey. Yeah. We are going through it right now. We are telling people that we're just like our audience members sitting there wondering if what they're doing is, is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Document it. And then look back and be like, whoa. You listen to a conversation you had a year ago, and you're like, I can see and hear the growth. I, I can feel that I'm already uh, hopefully on the trajectory of being a better person than who I was earlier. Yeah. And it's, it's just beautiful when you, when you mention that. And, you know, I, I want to take the time to, to thank you mm-hmm. and acknowledge you, Jared, for, you know, coming out here and recognizing that this is something brand new to you as well. And it, it takes um, a very special someone in your case to to have gone through what you've done throughout the many years of your life to put yourself in a position again to be in a place where it's time to learn something new mm-hmm. and it's time to, in a sense, be the underdog all over again. You have to uh, have that willingness to want to push yourself beyond your your limits and your capabilities, right? And I, and I think this podcast even is just, it's a microcosm of that, right? I, I, I don't know what, you know, people will think about this. Honestly, I'm not really concerned. I just want someone at some point somewhere to say, there's one thing in that podcast that I found a value in and they apply it to their life and then they make a difference in whatever it is that they care about, right? And it could be dad struggling to get out of bed or it could be, you know, mom, you know, dealing with with postpartum, right? It could be uh, a family, you know, that's lost a lot of individuals due to to COVID, right? And loved ones. Whatever it is that, that motivates you is is up to you. It's not up to me or you uh, to determine what motivates people to be whatever it is that they want to be in life or however great they want to be. There is complacency everywhere, right? It's It's the nature of us as humans. But I think the truth about complacency is it's an attribute that's easily defeated. It truly is. And you just have to be willing to push yourself. Doesn't matter if you're in uh, personal training or if you're a sales professional or you know, you're working and selling records. You have to be willing and genuinely curious on what, I don't care about my legacy. My legacy is my son and my, my daughter, that's my legacy, right? At the end of the day, that is 100% my legacy. So whatever likes or not likes or dislikes, it's just give them the principles and the foundation to allow them to be confident, secure, and that's just at a, a baby level, right? Yeah. So you you take that microcosm element of, of inst- you know instilling that principle and that foundation into children and you apply that same concept into people who maybe they're not ready to make a jump in their sales career because they're worried about you know every single person said to me oh you know how could you make this decision in the middle of a pandemic giving up such security 
working for the company that you did. And it's like, it's just a risk, right? It, it, it It's only a risk if you think it's a risk. Mm. It's only a risk if you think it's a risk. I love that. Coming to a close, I almost want to ask this in a different light because I love how much you've mentioned the love you have for your kids and your wife. It's it's truly profound, right? I could tell they're a big, really big rock in your life. Mm-hmm. Not that any wife or kid isn't, but you can tell with the demand of the position and the title you have, it it comes with some heavy duty balance that you would need to have. Mm-hmm. And you know, shout out to your wife and kids being that that, that big rock, and I bet a big fan of yours. Well, yeah. you make it all work out. I ask every guest, you know, what do you believe it takes to be on the second floor? And I mean that heavily metaphorically, yeah. And in the sense of. You're always elevating in life. You're always trying to, you know, take it to the next level, which very much so through this conversation, we can tell that you're wired that way yeah. to, you know, feel like, you know, can't just be complacent with this. We need to we need to see what what's next. What's our next goal? What are yeah. we doing? So to put a little bit of a twist on this as we close out is, sure. you know, maybe if there's an element of what you learned in being a father that has helped elevate your game in becoming more of a, a higher level uh, individual in what you do in becoming just a better sales professional mm-hmm. in increasing your acumen and skills in customer service. You know, is, is, is there any tie into you being a dad? That's really like, you were like, Whoa. Yeah. Like, because I'm a father, I already know the James. answer actually. And I just love to, to yeah, I'd love to hear it's, it's, um, it's be present. It's be present. And if you think about that with family or your customers, it's, literally the golden if there is ever a silver bullet for anything doesn't matter salespeople they always want you know the magical silver bullet it's just be present be present in whatever it is that you're doing at that moment and the one thing i will say that that has truly made a difference for me is that you know as my little guy continues to grow his demand of, of me in terms of time and being present is growing. And so I'm starting to notice when I'm actually, you know, slacking as a dad. And that principle has allowed me to really understand that same element and focus for customer conversations. Because between eight and five, I've got to be dialed in. And so my wife is really good in the fact that she knows that I don't want to come home uh, or not come home, but the proverbial come home after work and have hours and hours of conversation with her. She respects that. She knows how hard it is you were on to, to do and stay present all day. But what she does ask is that if and when there are opportunities to be present with her or my son, that... I get that same level of commitment and give that same level of commitment that I would for my clients as I do for my family. And yeah. so that would be the uh, the one phrase that I would say is the most important for work-life balance is just wherever you are, whenever you're there, be there, right? Doesn't yeah. matter what it is. I really appreciate how real that response is because let's let, let's face it, the reality is is when you're in a position in which you're in, it's tough to be present every day when you're now off work mode. 
However, when there's a time and chance to do so, you're going to indoctrinate those same principles of staying present. You follow through with work mm -hmm. into your personal life. Absolutely. So thank you, Jared. This was a uh, rock solid episode, my man. Uh, yeah, I hope so. This, you know, it was a, one of the longest. So if that goes to show, you kept us engaged all the way through. So yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity and, and I like what you guys are doing. I think when you approach me about this and when we you know, cross paths about you thinking about a career move and, yeah. and there was some mentorship there that there went was. on. Right. I and appreciate I, that. And I, I love guys like yourself and, and girls like yourself that are willing to, uh, really change the game, change their own uh, path, change their own life, change their own career and, and change their own legacy. Right. And, yeah. and they control it. And it goes back to one thing, just set a goal, whatever it is, right. Set a goal. Yeah and use that as your your constant reminder to want to better yourself and then i love that you said that we'll end on that where no matter what goal that is that you set it becomes that much easier to say no to mm -hmm. other things that don't go on the trajectory of making that happen so you become so much more aware of your time yeah you know? absolutely thanks um, man i appreciate it where can people find you look for you maybe follow your own journey <laughs> connect with you if you're willing to open up those doors yeah. I mean, you know, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I'm not on social media. My, um, not on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything like that, or TikTok now. Um, honestly, just LinkedIn is an easy way to reach out. If you want to ask any questions about career path or journey, uh, you can find my bio on there. It's pretty, well, you'll post my name anyway. So <laughs> yeah, people will be able to, uh, to find me on there. And I'm not a big social seller by any means. I only post when I think it's going to make a difference to people mm -hmm. and, and add uh, some insight. So yeah, add me on uh, LinkedIn if you want and feel free to reach out and, and have a discussion about uh, careers and, yep. and, and life. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jared. That's a wrap. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, please feel free to uh, review it, share it, you know, like go follow Jared, see what he's doing, connect with him on LinkedIn and, I hope that, uh, you know, everyone that listened got as much value as I just did. So thank you, Jared. Cool. It's a pleasure, Thanks. my man.